Thank you for listening to the Streams Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. We are a community that strives to know Jesus and make Him known. If you like our podcast, subscribe and leave us a great rating on Apple Podcasts. Thank you, and we hope you enjoy. All right. All right. Welcome. Um, I'm excited to be here with you guys, um, especially if you are new. Um, Hey, shout out to you guys. You made it to church. So great job. I'm the lead pastor. I'm Sean. And we are in the middle of a series talking about being restored, being made new, both um, in the spirit and connecting with God. And today's topic is all about faith. So we are going to talk about the person of Zacchaeus in the Bible. And um, this is a really, not Zacchaeus, excuse me, Zachariah. <laughs> Zachariah. It was that bear joke. It just threw me off. Just derailed my whole thing. So who is Zechariah? He is the father of John the Baptist. Now, John the Baptist is a huge character in the Bible. He's actually Jesus' cousin. And Jesus himself is recorded in Matthew 11 saying that out of all who ever lived, none was greater than John the Baptist. So this is John the Baptist's father, Zachariah, and his mother was Elizabeth, and he had some struggles in his faith. And we're going to talk about his life because I think it would also encourage you as well. So here's a couple things that we're going to cover today. Here's some questions that we're going to ask is, number one, how does the Old Testament end? Do you guys know how the Old Testament ends? Because this story takes place at the very beginning of the New Testament. So recovering and looking at how the Old Testament ends is going to give us some insight. What was it like to be Zachariah and Elizabeth? How was it like being them? And then number three, why was not having children such a big deal in this culture? And then finally, I want to ask you to ask yourself, how is my faith today? Am I full of faith? Am I hopeful for God's promises? Do I believe that nothing is impossible with God? Or do I feel a little run down, honestly? <laughs> Let's be real, right? We can be real and transparent because I think it's, I think everybody faces a little challenge in your faith because ultimately you pray for things, you believe God, but they don't work out as you had hoped or they don't work out as fast as you'd hoped. So there's some of you who are going through some big challenges, and you're like, wow, God, why is it getting worse? Why am I struggling so bad? You're facing surgeries, or you're recovering, and you're like, God, I'm, I'm praying for you to, to heal me, to recover. I'm praying for this situation, this relationship to work out, and it just doesn't seem quite there. Maybe you're going through the motions, but you just feel like your faith with God's a little flat, or you just, it seems like God is silent. What do you do in those moments? Or for some of you, if you were honest with yourself, you're maybe a little disappointed in God. And you're like, I'm a little upset. I'm a little angry. I know I shouldn't be, but if I'm honest with myself, I just... I'm disappointed at how life has gone. Or maybe you're a lady that just came back from retreat and you're still processing all that you heard and you're still a little flooded. I don't know. <laughs> but wherever you are today, I pray that this message would rekindle your faith. So let me tell you about 
Zechariah and what he went through because it is really quite a story when you look at it. So before we go to Luke, you can turn there if you'd like. We're going to be in Luke chapter 1. So this is the very beginning of the New Testament. And realize that there has now been 400 years of silence between the Old Testament and the New Testament. 400 years of silence. God did not have a prophet. There's not much recorded. It's like the, the, the silent years. So now we're brought up here to the very first part of the New Testament. Starting in verse 5, it goes like this. It says, In the time of King Herod of Judah, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God. Say righteous. Observing all of the Lord's commandments and decrees blamelessly. Wow. I'd like to be referred to as blameless in the Bible. That'd be, that, that's a good thing. But, say but, they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive and they were both very old. You see, I don't know if I can fully impart how much of a big deal not having children was back in this culture. Um, there's just a couple parts that I want to highlight, four reasons why this was such a big deal. Because the Bible considers them as righteous or blameless. So people who are righteous and blameless also not having children was a huge conflict. It did not line up. So number one, it was difficult financially back then because your children were the ones who were supposed to take care of you. They were kind of like your social security, right? Your 401k, like, I'm going to have these kids. They're going to take care of me. Also, you want to pass on your inheritance to your children. So financially, it had ramifications. Number two, spiritually, the Jews considered children from God a sign of his favor, so not having children was considered a curse from God and actually a sign of his displeasure. Like that's the core of who these people were. They were actually from the line of the priestly line. They were trying to live out God, yet in their culture they were considered cursed. Like what are you doing wrong? Could you imagine that conflict? Another reason it was a challenge in their social their social circles, their social status. These were people who were like, I'm not sure I want to welcome people who are cursed by God into my house. I don't know if I want to invite them over for dinner. You know, like that was a real thing. And then also the afterlife. Actually, some Jews did not believe in bodily resurrection. So their hope of immortality was actually through their children. So not having children really hit the core of who these guys were. And I think about just imagining what it would be like to be Zechariah. Imagine him starting out in life, maybe he's 20 or whatever, and he's from the, the line of Levi, so he was actually a priest at that time. But you think about what his life must have been like. He meets Elizabeth, falls in love, they get married. She's also from a priestly line. Like you just can imagine this great line of ministry, and they dream about having kids, and they dream about their future together. So they get married, and they try to have kids, but they fail. And next month, they try again, they fail again. And they're seeing their, their friends have babies. 
And they're like, I want my babies to play with their kids. And you dream of this. And suddenly a year goes by and God's not answering their prayer. And then two years goes by. Three years go by. You're seeing now your friends are having multiple kids. And now it's like, what's wrong? Are you in sin? Am I in sin? Why is God not giving us a blessing? And then five years slip by, 10 years slip by, and your friends are asking, wow, what's wrong with you guys? Could you imagine the pressure and the weight of that? And you're praying and you're seeking God, yet still there's no answer. And you, you go to your grandpa and it's 400 years of silence. There's no prophets. All you have is the, the Old Testament, the Torah. And you, you're familiar with Abraham and Sarah and their story, but still it seems so distant. And then 20 years slips by, 30 years slip by. Now your friends are now grandparents and their kids are having kids and all you want is a child. That's Zacchaeus and Elizabeth. Have you ever prayed for something? Have you ever wanted something so bad? And the answer was nothing. That's where he is. So let's continue on in the story. Luke, um, verse 8, it says, Once when Zechariah's division was on duty, again, he was a priest, um, serving before God, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of priesthood, to go to the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time of burning incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. So it's now Zechariah's chance to burn incense in the holy place of the temple of Jerusalem. This is a huge deal. There's about 7,000 priests at that time, and they were divided up into 24 different clans. So they would serve in the temple twice a year for about a week. So the honor of burning incense would actually happen maybe once in a person's life, maybe not even at all. So you can imagine, this is a big deal for Zacchaeus. He's getting to go into the holy place of the temple. And you can see it here on the map, but they would burn incense, and it would be a, a picture, it's symbolic of purification, sanctification, and it symbolizes the prayers of the faithful. So he is pretty excited at this point, right? This is a big day for him. So verse 11, then the angel of the Lord appeared to him. He goes in there, boom, there's an angel standing right in front of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear. He did not think this day was going to go like this. <laughs> but the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear a son, and you are to call him John. What? <laughs> what? I gave up on that prayer years ago. I'm old. I can't even, pro I'm so flooded, I can't even process what you are saying. Are you serious? And so I did a little research, because if you're like me, you're asking yourself, well, how old was he? Right? Who's, who's there with me? We're the same. We're the same. So um, they estimate that beyond childbearing years was like 60 to 70. And actually, the Muslims predicted that Zechariah at this age was 92 years old. And Elizabeth was 88, right? 
Those are some dark, long days of God not answering your prayer. <laughs> On the back end of 400 years of silence. Do you see where he's at right now? And now, like the highlight of his ministry, there's an angel that says he's going to have kids. Okay, let's see what else he says. He says, he will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will receive, or excuse me, many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is to never take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many people of Israel to the Lord their God. Get this. And he will go before God in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Now, this was, this was massive because I imagine that Zechariah was very familiar with how the Old Testament end because that's the end of the book where he was from. But you go back and Malachi is the last chapter of the Old Testament. The last two verses of Malachi are found in chapter 4, and it says, Look, I'm sending you the prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day of the Lord arrives. His preaching will turn the hearts of their fathers to their children and the hearts of their children to their fathers. So this was, the angel was giving him a prophecy that his son was actually fulfilling the very last two verses in the Old Testament. Can you believe it? See, he was in the spirit of Elijah, the angel said. And I want you to notice, is it the children that make amends to their parents or is it the father that turns to make amends to the children? It's the fathers, right? Isn't that the goodness of God? That God the Father made amends and sent Jesus to restore relationship. It wasn't the children to their fathers, but it was from the fathers to the children. That is the heart of God. That is so incredible. So here's Zachariah's response. Uh-oh. Do you guys think it's going to be good or not good? <laughs> Let's find out. He says, how shall I know this? For I am an old man, and look at how he describes his wife. And my wife is advanced in years, actually well advanced in years. <laughs> what a polite way of saying, she's very old, right? <laughs> the angel answered him and said, I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God and I was sent to speak to you and bring you these glad tidings. But behold, you will be mute and not able to speak until the day these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their own time. At this, oops, <laughs> at this time he was both mute and deaf. And the translation mute there I'd never discovered this, but there's quite a large evidence to infer that he was actually unable to hear and speak at this time. Because in 62, verse 62, they say, what do you want his name to be, your son's name to be? And they didn't enunciate and verbalize this. They actually wrote it on a scroll, hence the fact that there's a good chance that the angel made him both mute and unable to speak. Could you imagine the greatest day of your life. You've suffered 92 years. 
And now you leave and you can't speak and you can't hear. That is pretty amazing. I can imagine that would be difficult, right? There is no remote working. Like, you can't say, hey, send me an email and I'll get back to you, right? Like, could you imagine women, your husband being like, hey, could you get me this thing in the kitchen? And like, he can't even help you, right? It's a 92-year-old man that can't speak or hear. Like, that's a rough pregnancy, right? <laughs> Luke verse 21, it continues. And the people waited for Zechariah and marveled that he lingered so long in the temple. But when he came out, he could not speak to them. And they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple. For he beckoned to them and remained speechless. So back then, it was customary for the prophet to come out and to pronounce like a really great blessing on them, and that was just kind of the order of the service. So that'd be like you guys coming in here, and I totally make these chairs, I make a new row, and you guys get in here, and then we just start with the message instead of the worship. You'd be like, whoa, things are thrown way off here, right? Like, what do I do? Where do I go, right? So that's what the people were dealing with. He comes out, he doesn't have a blessing to speak to them, and things are just topsy-turvy. What an, what an incredible account of what happened. Elizabeth, his wife, does get pregnant, as well as Mary, who's pregnant now with Jesus. And we skip through. That's a really great part if you want to look at it, but we'll skip, skip to verse 57. It says, when it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy, and they shared her joy. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to name him after his father, Zachariah. But the mother spoke up and said, no, he is to be called John. They said to her, there's no one in your relatives with that name. Then they made signs to his father, again, probably because he couldn't hear, to find out what he would like to name the child. He asked for a writing tablet, and to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, his name is John. Immediately, his mouth was opened and his tongue was set free and he began to speak, praising God. What an amazing moment. And this is captured in a lot in different um, paintings, but there's a painting and you, I'm sure you're probably thinking, wow, John looks pretty good for 92 in that picture. Huh? Like, what an incredible story. This is an amazing moment. Just an amazing moment. And Zechariah, his name means that Yahweh has remembered. Yahweh has remembered. Do you guys know what the opposite of faith is? The opposite of faith is sight. The opposite of faith is sight. Are we going to need to have faith in Jesus when we're at heaven? No, because Jesus is right there. I could see him, right? But you can imagine Zachariah's process. Whether he was 70 or 90, nobody knows exactly, but that's a long life to wait, hoping that God will answer your prayer. Still remaining blameless and still remaining hopeful that God is God. And now he is brought into the story in such an amazing way. I mean, they, they were actually related, Jesus and his son. They were related through the moms. So imagine like the festivals and the holidays, like little kid Jesus would just be running around. Like that's the Messiah. 
Like he got to see this and witness this with his very own eyes. I can imagine that the year before he went to that temple and the next year, his faith looked totally different within a year's time. And I want to say hold on to your faith today. I want to say hold on to your faith today. And I know these are just Bible stories, but I had the amazing story that just took place that I want to share a little bit with some of our good friends who really struggled with their faith and got to see God do a miracle. One of Susie's very best friends in California, they went to high school together. Um, This is a picture of them. It's Christina and uh, her husband, Chris Stamper. We actually moved to California just across the street from them um, about 10 years ago uh, in 2014. And um, they really wanted to have four children. They had two girls and a boy, and our kids and their kids were about the same age. And so they just really felt like, you know what, there's something missing. We want a fourth child. We really want another son. And we were all so excited when we heard the news that she was pregnant. We were excited this was going to be the, the final, you know, piece of their family. And every, both of their parents were right there close, their brothers and sisters. It was just a really beautiful family. But the unthinkable happened. Because in March, the child lost his heart. And they discovered that it had died. It was about 21, 22 weeks along. And Susie was there when um, she gave birth to that boy. And they named him Gabriel. And she held them, and they prayed, and it was just such a loss of something that was going to fulfill and bring wholeness to the rest of their family. Such a, such a hard time. And we walked through it with them for the whole time we were neighbors. Um, later that year, we just rejoiced when she became pregnant again. And we're like, praise God. Isn't this God to bring them back? Like, this is, this is awesome. This is God's promise fulfilled. And we were all hopeful. I remember getting the call that they lost a child. And it was exactly one year that I met him in the hospital and I had no words. Two babies lost right so close. It was just, it was a huge hit. It just really, it just impacted the family so deep, so hard. And um, it was just a hit. I mean, he was a worship leader. They both loved the Lord. But this was a big one. This was a big one. And they still felt like she wanted to have another child, but it just was hard. And um, Chris didn't want to go through it again. And about five years later, they decided, you know what, maybe we need to look into, you know, adopting a child. And that was a hard process to to think about. But um, long story short, they did go through the the classes and the lessons. And he says, look, honestly, I don't want to foster. I'm interested in, you know, adopting a son, but I just want a safe surrender baby, meaning that the mother, you know, takes the right. So... He didn't want to have to go through having this child and then things change and then the mom gets it back. It just, it just was too, too fragile, too sensitive. And so um, he says, I also don't want a, a child that has been influenced with drugs. 
So you can imagine that's a very difficult scenario. Very difficult. So he says, look, this license is for two years. If God works, he works. If he doesn't, let's be done with this. We're just going to have three kids. They're awesome. We're going to go on through life. And Christina is like, okay. But she really felt hopeful for this. And years passed, went by again, and she had a vivid dream of holding a baby. And you guys, this was very hard because there was children that were being born that would have been Gabriel's age. So she's seeing children, and she's like, that would have been Gabriel. That would have been my other son. And all of the, the wedding showers and the holidays were all these kids, and it's just a reminder of the loss that you've dealt with. And when you're fostering like this and you're prepared for a phone call, like you can get a phone call and pick up your child the next day. So they had like a crib set up in their, in their house. They had a car seat. Every day you're wondering if the phone's going to ring and you're reminded of a child because you have baby stuff in your house. Like could you imagine? This is their life for two years. The day came up when the license was supposed to be expired. And there was a sense of relief and sadness mixed in with it. And they're like, finally, we can get on with life. We don't have to carry this this burden anymore. That day came and went. A lot of emotions to that day. Wow, I guess this wasn't meant to be. The very next day, God orchestrated a miracle that showed them beyond a shadow of a doubt that his faithfulness is real. They they got a call. (laughs) Beautiful white, blue-eyed, blonde-haired boy. Safe surrender, no drugs in the system. We think you're the perfect family. Come on down and get your son. They said, our license expired. Don't worry about that. We'll extend it out. They get in their car. They're just in unbelief. Unbelief. They go and they pick up this child. And we heard about it, and it was just, it was just amazing. It was amazing. Last Tuesday, what, four or five days ago, They had the call. They finished up all their licensing, and this was the day that the judge announced that their child, Samuel Jacob Stamper, was there. And it wasn't at the court. It was actually through the phone, so I actually videoed it. So you can roll that clip. reality. Christina got to hold her son. And you can ask those kids, they actually got to be a part of a miracle. Like their whole community was affected through this child, Samuel. And it means that God has heard. What an amazing thing. Like if they could have just seen that video six years ago, seven years ago. But that's not how it works, right? If you could just tell Zachariah, dude, it's going to work out. Chill. Like Your life's going to be pretty cool. We're going to be talking about it in 2,000 years. It's going to be cool. It's going to work out. He's like, dude, I'm 90. I know it's going to work out. I know. How is it that the Bible can say in Mark that all things are possible with God? 
How can God have the smarts, the intellect, the connections to literally say all things work together for good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose? What? It can't be good from this. I'll tell you what. It was the grandma, the time of the two years was coming up, and I talked to her, and, and their daughter, Kate, was talking about, yeah, we're going to have us, we're going to have a baby. My mom, we're going to have a baby. And the grandma was like, should I step in and say, honey, it might not work out that way. We, I, I might need to protect her and prepare her that this is not looking good. And she didn't. And she, showed that, she shared that story. She's like, man, I'm sure glad I didn't, right? <laughs> but where are you at with your faith today? I think Zachariah would say, hold on, it's going to work out. It's going to work out. The season will change. The circumstances will change. But I think we do a disservice by looking at what's ahead through the lens of our present reality. That truly I have seen God do miracles. And he can do them today. And no matter what happens, God can work it together for good. Um, I want to encourage you to pray bold prayers. I want to encourage you to continue on in your faith. And I brought this up last week, but there's a really cool prayer initiative that's going on. It's called WePrayAllDay.com. And as a church, we're going to step up and we're going to fill out the slots for the 25th. So you can go on and that day we're just going to fill up a slot and you can say, I'm going to pray for one hour. I'm going to pray from 6 to 7 or from 3 to 4 or whatever. And we're going to try to fill up that whole day. But I want to encourage you. What if you knew that God was hearing your prayers? The angel said, the Lord hears your prayers, Zechariah. And according to his time, it happened. So continue to pray. Continue to, to not lose heart. I don't know if you just have the courage of saying, you know what? I am in a transition. I am in a place where I need faith. I am in a place where I, I know God's good, but would you pray for me? Because I just, I just am struggling a little bit. Or I'm in a situation where I need to hold firm to my faith. If that's you, if you're in a, in a transition or in a struggle or recovery, and you just say, you know what, I need prayer. Would you just lift up your hand? Awesome. Awesome. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, God. The worship team can come up. God, we just pray that you would give us the grace not to lose heart, that you are the author and finisher of our faith, God. So together, we boldly declare that your word is true, that you will work all things for good, that all things are possible with you, God. And I thank you that you are far above our comprehension, our understanding, our intellect. And so, Lord, right now, we ask for forgiveness for our lack of faith. And we pray that you would remind us of who you are and your goodness. In Jesus' name. We're going to sing a song and take communion. And we're going to have a time for prayer afterwards. Maybe you're in a spot where you say, you know what, I need to rekindle my faith with God. I need to get right with God. 
Stick around because we want to pray with you as well. So you can go ahead and stand as we worship.